All right, welcome back. This is the Sweaters Forever podcast on 105.3 The Fan, hosted by the hockey hawk, Gavin Spittle, at GJ Spittle on Twitter. Gavin, how are you doing today, man? Man, it is a great day to be covering and being a part and cheering on those Dallas stars. It sure is. You know, we just uh, we just recorded a week ago, and the good times were rolling, and since then, the good times have somehow even gotten even better. Uh, as they are now on a nine-game point streak and an 11-1-1 record in their last 13 games. It just seems like right now this team can do absolutely no wrong, but they keep winning in different ways each each game, which is, I think, probably been the most impressive thing for me watching uh, this Dallas Stars team and the run they're on. So it is fascinating to watch. When they're on such a streak, we tend to forget really important factors like... No John Klingberg right now. Yeah. No Rope Hints right now. No Matthias Yanmark right now. Yep. So we forget those factors, um, and it's an exciting brand to watch. That's that's the other great thing. We talked about the last podcast where some people were saying, well, they're winning and they're boring, and I'm like, yeah. man, winning is not... I'm like, what part... What did you want to happen? I mean, last night was an exciting game if you were a Dallas Stars fan. It basically had everything you wanted except unless you were a fight fan and wanted to see right. you know, the mitts dropped. Right. But understand last night, yeah, Vancouver has been struggling, but they had won three straight in dominating fashion here at the American Airlines Center. So they were coming in, and there's that trap game in the NHL. Mm-hmm. When you come off a successful road trip, and when you're on a road trip in hockey, just like any sport, your main focus is the team and winning. And that's your basic focus. Hotel, studying, stuff like that. Right. When you get home, you have other distractions. You're back in your own bed. Yeah. So there's kind of a relax factor. You might all be right. back with a girlfriend. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. there's all kinds of distractions. So they, they call it an, essentially a trap game when you come back from a long road trip. So that was on the back of my mind last night. And boy, did they get off quick. I mean, they're getting off to fast starts. And that was one thing that they struggled with in the early part of the season was giving mm-hmm. up that early goal, giving up that... Uh, you know, that second goal. So they always had to climb from behind. Yeah. Not last night. I mean, despite an offside challenge, the stars of, you know, essentially under a minute in would have gone up one to nothing. Right. And they just kept applying the pressure all night long. Even when it was five to one, yeah. they were going for that sixth goal. And there wasn't a point in that game, despite maybe the five on three and in five to one. Uh, wins, you tend to forget that the goaltender was outstanding yes. last yeah. night. So just an overall great effort. Amazing road trip. I mean, to get seven out of eight points uh, in a Canadian swing against really good teams, I, I am just incredibly impressed by this team. Yeah, I mean, they're clicking on all cylinders right now. And like you said, the brand of hockey that they're playing is exciting. It's successful. It's a defensive style, but... In their last nine games, let me pull this up. Their last nine games, this is the amount of goals they've scored. Six, two, four, four, two, three, four, five, and six. Sounds great to me. What's Where's the boring part? No, there is no boring part. So they've got points in all nine of those games. Yeah, I and, mean, it's, it's impressive. And like we said, it was against Edmonton. It was against 
Vancouver that, yeah, has struggled recently, but overall has had a really good year thus far. And there's a lot of talent on that team. A lot of talent as some Canucks fans, As some Canucks fans pointed out to me yesterday, they're like, you guys are on the craziest, one of the craziest roles I've seen a hockey team. And entering last night, those two teams were tied in terms of points. Yeah. Obviously, they're no longer tied now, but... I mean, they the Canucks fans I was talking to were just, oh, like, they were even impressed. They're like, look, I don't know what the Canucks are supposed to do. The Stars right now are just on a totally different level in the NHL. Too early to say whether it's a determining factor, but that could have been a four-point swing as far as wild card. We don't yes. know that, yeah. but, I mean, Vancouver's going to be in the mix. Uh, you know, they have the goalie. They have what it takes. I mean, their lines, I mean, when you look at their players and what they're throwing out there, Mm -hmm. they have a ton of offensive ability. So I think they just got to get back on track, but they were shut down uh, by the Stars. I mean, a bad call last night ended up making it a five-on-three power play for a long period of time. It seemed really interesting that they called goalie interference on that play, but and then they got, was it Dickinson, I think, earlier in the game on on a much... I don't know, much lighter goalie interference, if anything at all, right. a violation. The, the Dickinson, he clearly ran into Mark uh, Markstrom, but he was pushed yes. from behind, even though yeah. if it's a slight push, any slight push. So a uh, referee was blinded. That's not, you can't challenge that at this point. I mean, I think in the future you might do that because there are so many goalie interference calls. Um, I thought it was interesting when you watch the replay of Ben Bishop getting run into <laughs> Uh, Roman Polak, and you know, this yeah. is how you know Roman Polak's not a dirty player when he's like yelling out, My bad, guys, my bad, my bad. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you watch the replay, he was saying that because right. he didn't want a scrum to ensue, right? Because it was him that you know kind of cross checked him into uh, into Bishop. And I think maybe you know, when you see the goalies, I don't want to use the term flop like that. Mm-hmm. But embellish maybe a little bit. I'm sure there's a little bit of embellishment, but to understand the padding they have to put on and the balance it requires, yeah, and any slight nudge, and you're getting hit a lot of times by a 220, 230 pound person going full speed. Yeah, it's going to throw you off, and it's not easy to land, mm-hmm. you know, like right. that. So they are going to get up slow, and they're also going to take the opportunity to get their breath. One of you remember that was I remember that being a big uh, point of contention with Blues fans in last year's playoff series. Yeah. They thought that Bishop was trying to sell out, but so was Jordan Bennington. It's part of the game. It's you know any any advantage you can get, they're going to try to take advantage of that. Plus, it's like that's a, that's it's the quarterback position of the NHL where they that is. I think that is your most important position on the ice. When we get into NHL news and notes, but I will bring this up. One of the things I think that the NHL governors and the GM meetings and the rules committee might look at is, can we make a rule that better applies when players are down on the ice and appear to be hurt? Because there was a situation last Saturday night, player goes down, player is clearly hurt. Opposing player, it was Vancouver, is raising their hand, hey, they're hurt. Yeah. Play continues. Colorado, I think there was Colorado Vancouver, ends up scoring. And, you know, people are upset. Yeah. Or it was the other way around. But Vancouver ends up scoring. But the bottom line is, is just like Bishop last year, 
I know there's that situation where it's how much is embellishment to try to stop the play. Mm -hmm. The rule clearly states that it is the referee's discretion. However, it is encouraged that play continue unless the referee deems that it has to be immediately stopped. So it is discretion, but it is rarely called. I think they're going to look at that and say, with the head trauma cases that are going on in all the sports, we probably need to take a closer look at changing this rule. And I wonder if they would do something where it's like, hey, if you're, especially if it's the goalie position, you know, if if they go down like that and they do stop play, you have to switch your goalie out. You know, like yeah, it's a it's a good suggestion. Absolutely, I know when the helmet comes off, they have to stop play immediately for right. a goalie, and that's but there's no discretion in that because no you can't you can't uh, take the risk of them firing a puck at ninety miles an hour, yeah. hundred miles an hour, and hitting them in the bare face. But I think if they stop the play and you know, it's it's an injury like that. Like maybe for the rest of the period, you know, your backup has to play. Your goalie has to go past concussion protocol or get cleared by the trainers. But you should have to make that switch, either until the end of the game or at least to the end of the period, because you also don't want to handcuff a team, especially come playoff time, where all of a sudden their emergency goalie is coming down and you know, in Game Six of the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, yeah. There was also an interesting aspect to last night's game uh, for those that uh, watched the game. Two pucks ended on the top of the net. Yeah. And you rarely see that. And it's funny to see when people don't get hurt, but people have to understand players cannot close their fist on the puck Mm -hmm. because that's a penalty. Yeah. So the Stars players last night were trying to block it from going over to Bishop, but any nudge of that back of that net, that back of the net is going to hit Bishop. Right. And for that matter, it would hit Markstrom. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's really, there, there were some really interesting aspects of last night's game. I thought Jamie Benn was a superstar last night. Absolutely. He's I mean, now got last couple three goals yeah. in his last two games. Yeah. Uh, we obviously talked about him for, for a minute on the, on the previous episode as well. And last night he showed signs of the Jamie Benn that the Dallas Stars fans, you know, that, that you could build this team around, that the Dallas Stars want to build this team around, that want him to be a centerpiece. That's why he gets paid all that money. So, and I actually saw Jared Sandler kind of ask this question on Twitter. He said, you know, he was kind of worried it's more of a mirage or it can't be sustainable. What are your early thoughts on that? Do you think that this is going to be the, the, the normal Jamie Ben going forward? Or is this maybe just a nice stretch that he's playing right now? We might have to take into consideration that Sagan and Ben were streak players. And they're going to go on ebbs and flows like yeah. a lot of NHL players do as far as scoring. Yeah. But the last couple of games, we have seen vintage Jamie Benn. That first goal in which he paused and then put it in front of the net and slid it through the pads yeah. was a calm, cool, collective goal that I would have been shooting right away. Same. I, I would have panicked. I was, I was like, wow, that's yeah. impressive that he did that. And he showed the same patience on the second goal, yeah. too. You know, he stood there. He let the puck settle. Markstrom got back in position. He wasn't able to... I don't believe he was able to get out of the butterfly and up and up to his feet. I got to rewatch that play. But the 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 calm, just, you know, like you said, just that, that calm patience that he showed with the puck, it, it wasn't looking like he was, he was, you know, worried about scoring on that play. It was like, okay, let me get a good shot on net. And he just sniped it up in the top right corner over Markstrom's shoulder, 
And Markstrom was in position to make the save. I thought it was Mar- just a perfect shot. I thought Markstrom played pretty good last night. I, I mean, agree. He's six to one. You're like, what? But I thought he played well, and I I, I think he's an underrated NHL goalie. Um, I I will say this: last night they had Justin Dowling with Sagan and Ben, mm-hmm. and I thought that was amazingly effective. We're seeing talent out of Justin Dowling. That's like wow. And and I'm glad you brought that up because I was gonna bring that up when you know I I posed the question if it was sustainable uh, from Jared. I think Dowling is the key to Jamie Ben because I'm not as concerned like you're talking about them being streaky players, Tyler Sagan and Jamie Ben. If Jamie Ben goes three or four games with you know two points or one point in those three or four games, I'm not as concerned about that as I am about his activity level on the ice and. Just how quick he looked. He looked faster last night than I've seen in in, a, in quite a while. And I think Justin Dowling is the reason that Jamie Ben has kind of gotten out of this funk since they've put that line together. Because Dowling is the one who's going and um, going to those areas that Jamie Ben typically goes to. And like we said last week, it frees up Jamie Ben now to kind of wait and be able to be in the right spots to take advantage of Justin Dowling's hard work and he's doing a Dowling's doing an amazing job pressuring the defense and just causing havoc you know for the opponent his hustle will keep him on this team yeah. you have players coming back but Justin right. Dowling is not one of those guys um that will suffer from that with his recent play and they did something interesting is they moved Dowling out for Dickinson due to matchups against the Oilers. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder, with that line going so well, will these guys be interchangeable or will they keep Dowling and Ben and Sagan? Because there were a lot of open ice opportunities. And on the flip side, I didn't see the speed of Vancouver paying off where I didn't see many odd man rushes last night, Yeah, which is a testament to the forwards back-checking, clogging things up, and the defensive play of uh, of the Stars. So overall, real, real impressive. I I feel like every game, Dennis Gurionov has one or two breakaway opportunities. They're not going in yet. Yeah. But, I mean, he's creating that space, too, for the long passes. And one of the things that to understand about when we talk about secondary scoring, secondary scoring, is it opens up the ice for that first line because you need your defensive players, you need your better defensemen, you need your better checking forwards to pay more attention to those second and third and fourth lines. Mm -hmm. It's not, let's stack everyone against the first line. I mean, it's very similar to, let's... Let's compare it to like the Dallas Cowboys. Mm -hmm. If you take away Zeke, it's no longer take away Zeke and, you know, win the game. There's that air attack now, which opens up the play of Zeke. Right. So, I mean, when you have situations like this, when you have more balanced scoring, it just completely opens up. And it takes a lot of pressure off that first line. And Jason Dickinson is very similar to Justin Dowling in terms of the game that they play. So them centering that line is perfect, you know, or them just being on that line with Sagan and Ben, whether it's winger or down the middle, whatever. Um, they're the type of player that those guys should be playing with. I'll be interested to see, like you mentioned, uh, we got there's there's people coming back. You got Yanmark, like you said, Rope, Hans, John Klingberg. Hans uh, and Klingberg may come back on Saturday. Yeah, and um, I, I, against I, the Blackhawks here in town. I they're would, both skating on Thursday. Yeah, and I would love to see 
a reunion of Hintz and Gurianov. Yes. I think in that Minnesota game. That was super game, successful. Yeah, that Minnesota game, which really was the beginning, um, I felt as though you know that kind of sprung them open. And right. that speed, both of them, um, it's impressive. So I would like to see that. Um, it'll be also interesting, I think, probably even though he scored last night, probably Taylor Fadoon is the odd man out for now. Yeah. Um, you know, and probably will interchange uh, with Sekera. Um, you know, even though Sekera has played better, uh, Roman Polak has played really He's well been, since coming back. Yes. Uh, very vocal. And, you know, I think that's a reason that they're playing better, too. And we say it every podcast, and another good game from Jamie Alexiak. I was last just night. about to say, Jamie Alexiak and Miro Haskinen together is, I, I'm good. Just I'm keep, good, too. Keep them together for the remainder of the season, barring injury, hopefully, you know, knock on wood, nothing. Yeah. That, none of that happens, but. They are the perfect pair together. Like they, they're getting super comfortable with with each other. They are, you know, they're very they're they're clearly communicating super well. They just it seems like defensively, offensively, whether they're joining the attack, whether they're you know deciding when to to, to fall back and make sure that there's no odd man rush. They're playing about as good a defense from a defensive pair as I've seen in Dallas in a minute. Yeah, it seems as though there's some quality trust, and that's what you need from your defensive line mate. Yeah. Um, and you know, before the season, it was going to be Stephen Johns, and think about right. it, another big man that can skate and. I was thinking of Jamie Alexiak last night when Tyler Myers was seemed skating around the offensive zone on on, on a rush uh, where yeah. no one could get the puck away from him. Yeah. Nothing ended up happening, but I was just looking like, wow, look at the development of Tyler Myers, a kid who was born in Houston and moved to Canada uh, with his family so he could play hockey, and it took him some time from from the Buffalo days to the trade to Winnipeg, and now Tyler Myers just looks like a solid defenseman. And we always talk about Zdeno Chara, which everyone forgets he started, you know, with the New York Islanders. And then when he went to Ottawa is when the development really started. And then the Bruins made him a big free agent signing. And he's been one of the better defensemen in the defensemen from in the NHL for a long time. So it takes these big guys. Bufflin is another example of a guy in Chicago who was traded to Winnipeg. And he and was then playing flourished. right wing. Yeah, exactly. He was playing offense, and, and he would go back and forth depending on you know who's injured, who's not injured. But I remember him saying, like, it really helped whenever I went to Winnipeg, and they said, hey, you are a defenseman. Yeah. This is what you're playing. We're not going to go back and forth from wing to defense. You're, this is your spot. This is where he wants you. And that's where you know he you really saw his development. I mean, he was a great player in Chicago, but you've really seen that next step when he went to Winnipeg, and I think that... That, uh, you know, lack of questioning, hey, am I playing forward tonight? Am I playing defense? Like, that is has obviously proved to be tremendous in terms of his development for his career. I think uh, when Yanmark comes back, probably, you know, we'll see Kamano go back down so he can get some, you know, quality ice in Texas. I believe Kamano was actually assigned today. Okay. Kamano, according to Sean Shapiro earlier... Uh, was assigned to the AHL. Thank you for that. Yeah, you know, his development's going to be interesting because what I see, I mean, it's a big kid, likes to fly around the ice, uh, just hasn't come together yet, and that's just, you know, natural. Right. You know, he, he's got many years ahead of him. Go down to Texas, get some quality seasoning, and when you come back, he'll even be, you know, more hungry. And I would tell, if I was Monty in this situation, I would just say, hey, look at Justin Dowling. Look what he's doing for this team now. Don't 
don't keep your head down. We're sending you back down. This is part of hockey. You're going to be back up at some point, right? Yeah. It's going to happen. People get injured for little little periods of time where you need that extra forward. You'll be back, go down, continue to work on the things that we're telling you to work on, and then when you get back, you'll have this experience and you'll hopefully be even better because of your NHL experience, but also the time to develop with the AHL Texas Stars. So. One of the other things we talk about depth and what secondary scoring does is you look at a guy like Corey Perry who's now not playing on that first or second line. And that helps Erratic Foxa, yeah. you know, who has turned his game around big time. To me, this was a make-or-break year for Foxa. Mm-hmm. Because last year, I thought he really struggled coming off that other good year. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, is the development going to come? Because there was talk, well, you know, he's a really good defenseman, defensive forward. And I'm like, I get it. But I need that guy to score. I need that guy to create a little havoc get dirty in front of the net, yeah. and he's that player now. And I think having Corey Perry in the room and guys like that, veterans kind of teaching him, um, it's it's really cool. Cogliano back now, um, and he's valuable as far as killing penalties. Him and Como, um, you know, they don't show up on the score sheet, but they rarely make a mistake. Mm-hmm. And you need those guys as far as the whole team uh, gelling together. I thought it was awesome to see Perry score last night. Yeah. It was a terrific shot. And uh, I just think, I mean, you were talking about it on the air today, the Corey Perry factor. Sometimes it doesn't matter if you score every game. It's It's just being in the room. Absolutely, it's huge. And they, you know, watching him on the bench and the laughter that's taking place, granted, it's due to the win streak, I'm sure. Right, right. But... You know, you can see how the players have embraced Corey Perry. Absolutely. And, you know, we've we've brought him a couple times, brought him up a couple times on the podcast. He's a much better offensive player, but it's like the, the guys, whoever, wherever Ryan Reeves goes, those teams love Ryan Reeves. Yeah. They love him. Yeah. It's the same thing with Corey Perry. It was the same thing when Antoine Rousseau was here. So I'm glad Stars fans are beginning to embrace Corey Perry as well because you, I, I know it's tough because he was with the Anaheim Ducks and he, I mean, he just caused fits for this team and every other NHL team for so many years. But now with the Dallas Stars sweater on, you see how important he is uh, to a team and to a team's success and why he's been so successful in his entire NHL career and why he will be a NHL Hall of Famer one day. Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. And and once again, outstanding play by Ben Bishop. I thought he was seeing the puck from, from puck drop to the end. I thought he saw the puck... Terrific. I mean, what he brings as far as almost that third defenseman on the ice. Yes. Uh, dump-ins just don't work against him. So teams have to change the strategy. The communication he has with the defensemen are excellent. But, you know, when Ben Bishop is on, um, not to mention on that five and three, he was five on three, he was not giving up rebounds. In fact, Mm-mm. most of the night, you know, it was going into that pillow and staying in that pillow. Yeah. So uh, I, I can't say enough. I mean, I think we take him for granted a little bit around here. Um, we're talking about a Vesna finalist on our Dallas Stars. Yeah, we have not had that since Turco, Belfour, names like that. Maybe you know when Mike Smith was backing up mm-hmm. Marty Turco, he played real well. But we just haven't had that person that we can ride. Mm-hmm. And you know, I mean, if it was a two-one game, it would have been only one goal. So right. And um, one thing that I think is also underappreciated by, or maybe undercovered. I don't know exactly how to phrase it, but. One thing that I really admire about Ben Bishop is that when a game's not going well or, you know, Monty thinks he's not seeing the puck super well, 
Monty's not afraid to pull him and put who who who'd open in. Yeah. And Ben Bishop to be just totally cool with that as a Vesna finalist, a guy who probably, in my opinion, should have won the Vesna last season. Um, to be able to have that type of humility to go to the bench, let your your fellow backup goaltender, you know, come in and finish the rest of the game, and there's no real ego involved. I mean, I'm sure he's not happy about yeah, he's it. He's not happy. He but wants you're to right. he wants to finish the game, but you don't hear anything like. Ben Bishop unhappy in locker room after Stars win because he was pulled. You know, it was the Minnesota game that everybody talks about, the turning point. He was pulled after the first period of that game. Yeah. And then they threw Anton Hudobin in. And the two times he's been pulled, the following game in which he's played, he'd shut the other team down. And exa- and I think that that's how he looks at it. Yeah. You know, he's like, hey, I'm glad we got the win. but I, And I, I don't think he blames Monty. I think he understands. But he comes back and he plays super well after that because he's – he looks at himself and he says, "I have to be better." You know, I have to be better on this day. I, Monty was right. I wasn't seeing the puck that well. Remember that game six loss last year's playoffs against St. Louis, and then going into game seven, and we looked back when he was with the Tampa Gosh. Bay Lightning going into that game seven in New York and defeating the Rangers and shutting them down. And to me, it's like this guy's a cool customer. And sometimes, like we want to see so much emotion out of athletes, but when you're a goaltender... Jordan Bennington was a machine last yeah, year. Yeah, exactly. He, they would they would advance around, and, and uh, Pierre or whatever would go over to interview him and be like, yep, we're on to Dallas next. Um, that was pretty cool. And then like he just leave. Yeah. There was no celebration. It was very calm, cool, collected. He obviously celebrated when they won the cup, but Ben Bishop has those same exact qualities, and I think that that is super important for a goaltender um, to have because it's like... It's like a uh, like a starting pitcher in baseball, where if you give up a home run, you got to have a short memory. You yeah, on to the next batter, defensive back. On to the exactly. You know, you're not going to be perfect all the time. But as you mentioned there, that game six loss came back in game seven. Obviously, they lost in game seven. But what did he stop? Like sixty three shots or fifty six? He, he was fun. There's no way they're the, in that game without Ben Bishop. He was the only reason the stars. Everybody but Ben Bishop in that game played like absolute trash. And you know what it reminded me of was the Game 7 in the previous matchup with the St. Louis Blues that they got blown out when they had Kari Lettinen and Antti Niemi. In yeah. There. What yeah. was it, like 7-1 to one or something? Right, yeah. That was the type of game that Ben Bishop saw in front of him last season. And, uh, I mean, obviously they didn't advance, but anybody but Bishop is to blame for that. And when he was traded here, there were skeptics that thought he was on the downside of his career. Injury prone and you know the the, the Tampa Bay Lightning that in their big in their big uh, Stanley Cup run when Andre Vasilevsky eventually took over for him and then ended up taking the job from him uh because he was a cheaper option and yep. you know there's a lot of things that go into this right and into the, that's why um, cheaper younger that's why Grubauer the year the Capitals won the cup that's the reason that he was starting to start over Braden Holpe he was playing better he was younger the Capitals front office is thinking hey maybe we can trade Holpe in the offseason we'll have a young controllable goalie we can free up some cap space maybe we pursue another top six forward there's a lot of things that go into that but he's seen the ups and downs he's seen a, you know a lot of positives and negatives in his career but he's like you said he's he's remained calm and you know just real like just just no no sort of emotion in terms of like outward shown emotion like negatively in terms of a coach pulling him from a game or something like yeah, that. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, he's he's one of the greats. Yeah. And I mean, once again, his goals against this year and his uh 
save percentage is uh, at or just a little lower than his career. I mean, you know, basically he's at the numbers that he's at for career average. So he's having another good year. There are going to be those games where he doesn't see the puck as well. Right. You know, just like games. Yeah, just like games where Tyler Sagan, you know, doesn't. uh, They're going to hit the post. Right, exactly. So it's, it's interesting now because now they're at home for a long stretch. And man, it seems like every other night they're going to play. Tomorrow yeah. night, uh, as we tape this, they play the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, that's an interesting matchup because although the Stars have been red hot, the Winnipeg Jets have turned it on as yeah. well. And that's a team without Dustin Bufflin. And, you know, that's a team where in the offseason they lost Tyler Myers. They they lost uh, uh, a whole bunch of players. And everyone thought, oh, Winnipeg's done, Winnipeg's done. To me, No. Winnipeg is not done. When there's Patrick Laine, mm-hmm. when there's Kyle Connor, when there's Blake Wheeler, right? You know, I mean, they have players, tons of talent, tons of talent. Hellebuck's playing much better in net, so uh, I think they're six and two in their last eight. So you know, they're playing some good hockey. So it's a it's a, it's a good matchup tomorrow night, and then on Saturday night, the Blackhawks who are playing better hockey. Uh, and then on Monday, the Vegas Golden Knights, who are trying to get Ooh. it back together. Yeah, my my man, big Ryan Reeves coming to town. Yeah, so I, I think these How are about inter- that flurry save. Oh my goodness! You know, so <laughs> I didn't get to see it live, obviously, because I was watching the stars. Yeah, and the headline in the Las Vegas Review Journal is "Save of the Century," and I'm like, "Come on!" Right. But then I watched it, and I'm like, it's, "Well, it's." Maybe not the century, but maybe not the century. Wow, but it's one of the best uh, saves I've seen in quite some time. They love him in Vegas for good reason, right? Soft spoken, you know. Yeah. He's called the flower, you know. Multi Stanley Cups, and that's I mean, another scenario. He ended up in Vegas. We we're just talking about the younger, controllable yeah. goalie. Matt Murray took over in Pittsburgh. Absolutely. Made him available in the expansion draft. Boom. Now the Las Vegas Golden Knights start their franchise with a Hall of Famer. Yeah, Jim Rutherford of the Penguins GM. There's no way he could afford uh, Flurry at that point. So he left him out there for Vegas to pluck. In Vegas, when you have zero salary cap. That was the easiest like pick when it was like, all right, who's Vegas going to start their team with? It was like, all right, so they're definitely going to get Flurry. Yeah. And then from there, it was, you know, there was... There's some other locks, but that seemed like the biggest no-brainer in the entire expansion draft. Yeah, I feel I feel bad for the new Seattle team because there is no way these players that were in that Vegas teams learned and they said, "Okay, we cannot dangle these what we feel are overpaid players because they're going to get plucked." Yeah, so uh, I, I wanted to give you a chance here to talk about the Stars fans a little bit, um, just in terms of. The coverage, you know what I'm saying? Like a lot of Stars fans, it seems like we see on our Twitter account, accounts. You're at GJ Spittle. I'm at Shippy Fun Sports. There seems to be a lot of people that are upset with the lack of Dallas Stars talk and coverage in the Metroplex. And that's exactly why we started this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we love hockey. Yeah. And one of the reasons that we wanted to start this podcast is to say, okay, what is the interest in do people want to hear hockey segments? So this is part of our way of giving back, but it's also, you know, a a good test run to see, do people want to hear more hockey? Right. Uh, I think the issue with doing hockey segments on 105.3 The Fan, I mean, what would we break down from last night? 
Uh, right. We talked four or five times on the air today about the Stars run, about how Vancouver had won the last three. But, I mean, we talked about the Jamie Ben point streak. But I'm not sure when you, like, deep dive, what's the segment right, right now? What's yeah. the segment that we could do? So I think mentioning it and talking about it, but to understand as much as we are Stars fans and as much as they fill the barn and kudos to Stars fans, I love you all, but it just doesn't move the needle mm-hmm. as much as other sports, meaning football, baseball. And yes, as much as you don't want to hear it, Stars Talk will get trumped by Luka Doncic. Yeah. So, but Luka Doncic will get trumped all the time by Cowboys. Yeah, absolutely. That doesn't mean there isn't love, but right. we as a radio station have to make you know, decisions. And so we said, hey, let's put together a podcast where we can really hyper-focus on the week that was and talk about the individual players. And talk about the week coming up. And yeah. talk, you know, this is our chance to do exactly what Stars fans are wanting to hear on 105.3 The Fan. But it's available to you to listen to you whenever you want. All you have to do is just find a time, set aside. I don't know if you got to drive an hour drive from work. You get stuck in traffic. All you got to do is Google Sweaters Forever Podcast. Find us on the radio.com app, wherever. Plug it in on your drive home. And now you are controlling when you get to hear the stars talk that you that you so crave. And I think from time to time, we probably should do a better job of having players on for a few minutes yeah. uh, just to discuss. But also the team, you have to understand. I mean, I'm just being very honest. The team has to stand up and give us players, too. Sure, yeah. You know, we yeah. don't carry the games. Uh, they have to give us some players that we can talk to. But I promise you, we're in the locker room every night. We're getting sound. Mm-hmm. It's part of our responsibility, not just for the fan, but for our uh, Texas State Network. So we feed stars uh, player reactions to the rest of the state through our Texas State Networks. So, I mean, we're trying and we're trying to create uh, a vibe about this team and you know, and we're willing to give them kudos. All of the talk show hosts are willing to give them kudos. Mm-hmm. I just don't know, like, okay, you tell me what we should break down because I am a passionate hockey fan. Right. And, I mean, you can listen to sports radio stations across the country. Unless you're in Toronto or Montreal or, I mean, even in Boston, Original Six. Yeah. You know, when I'm if I'm monitoring Boston oh, sports radio. Patriots. Yeah, they're not really breaking down. Celtics are doing great. Exactly, exactly. They're not breaking down the Bruins. Right. Now, they might talk to, to Cam Neely or the president or, you know, the head coach for, you know, a segment if they carry the games. But, you know, until it's trade deadline or something, they're mentioning them, but they're just not, like, Heavily, I, I just don't know how you can break it down. And the other thing is, too, is I think a lot of hosts and, and just media members don't know the sport that well, so they don't feel comfortable talking about it. And then so a Stars fan listening would get frustrated if you heard a mispronunciation of a name or not understanding a typical hockey rule. That's why we have two experts on this podcast, two people who have been following hockey and love hockey for a really, really long time so that we can do all all the things that you, the listener, want to hear and you, the Dallas Stars fan, want to hear, and we give it to you right here with the Sweaters Forever podcast. I mean, you know, this is a shameless plug, but tell your friends about this podcast. Yes. Have them download it, and let's see the results. Right. I mean, if, if this thing You control is big, it. You, you control, control it, Stars fans. Yeah. You control it. 
And we talked to some Tolos last night at the game, yep. and they were like, hey, we'd like you to talk more stars. And you and I looked at each other. It was like, you know, we do a weekly podcast yeah, called right. Sweaters Forever. They're like, what? Yeah, we, right. have to, we have to check that out. Google so, it. I mean, if this thing grows, then absolutely, you know, we can we can figure out ways to integrate the stars more in. And, 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 and Shippy, you know, will appear on various shows. I'm happy to jump on various shows and kind of, you know, break it down, simplify it for those people that, are willing to jump on the bandwagon, but they have to ease on the bandwagon. You can always also tell your friends. I mean, heck, I told a, a, a follower the other day, they're like, I don't really understand the game. I'm like, okay, let's meet at a bar and we'll just talk hockey and I'll teach you. Right. Like, I want to be an ambassador for this game big time. Like, Me too. I love this game. You love this game. Like, I think it's like part of the duty for hockey fans, not just like complain like, oh, you know, there should be... You need to grow the sport. It's your job to grow the sport. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Tampa has done a real good job as far as the city is. Nashville. You know, Nashville has done a great job where, like, Tampa games are the things to go to. Nashville. Oh, my goodness. Like, you know, uh, I was talking to someone that was in Nashville for the Country Music Awards, and they actually said to me, I was like, hey, how was the award show? They said, boy, it was great. Man, they love their Preds in Nashville. So that caught their attention. I was in Tampa last year, and the Golden Knights were in town. And I didn't realize that there was a game that night. And I was kind of going around the town, and I was like, man, there's a lot of Lightning jerseys out here. They had all just come back from the game. They had all just gotten done hanging out at the game. And they were talking, you know, I think they had just beat the Golden Knights last year. And they were, I mean, I talked with a few Lightning fans, and they, they I mean, obviously last year was a record-setting year for them, and they hadn't, disappointed themselves in the playoffs yet. But to that point of the season, they were on a huge high. Kucherov was scoring like crazy. I mean, that that that's that market, that city is a perfect example of what you're talking about, about them just growing the sport in a sport that's not a traditional hockey town. So yeah. yeah. Like we said, you control it. Tell your friends about it. Uh the Sweaters Forever podcast. And uh if we get the right results, if we get some big numbers and all that stuff, you will hear more hockey talk. You won't hear this like to this extent, but you'll hear more hockey talk on 105.3. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's something that we monitor. We look at. It's right. not something we ignore. Right. But at the same time, when the TV ratings come out and it's not big, you know, I mean, we can see we can see as far as what you're gravitating toward. Right. And this is a Cowboys town. This is an NFL town. And all these sports, fortunately or unfortunately, it's a business. Yeah, and true. As, as much as we say, like on this podcast, we want to grow the sport because we really do. It's not our job to go on the air and do segments for the sake of growing the sport. Right. It's yep. our job to get the best ratings possible and to try to attract as many listeners with our subjects. Yep. And at this point, there are other subjects that are going to get more people to listen. Yep. Absolutely. Now, uh, We've talked a lot about Sergei Zubov on the last couple of uh, podcasts, and he's obviously getting his jersey retired. He's going into the Hall of Fame. A guy, a former teammate of his, is also going into the Hall of Fame, Guy Carbono. He was part of that 99 uh, Stanley Cup team. Now, you may not know this, but Jim Montgomery was actually traded for uh, Guy Carbono, and I've got some audio here I'm about to play for you. This is Jim Montgomery, a courtesy of DallasStars.com and at DallasStars on Twitter, this is the story of Jim Montgomery when he found out that he was getting traded to 
Montreal straight up for Guy Carboneau. When I got the news, I was in St. Louis at a gym working out, and I got a phone call, and that's before cell phones, right? I got a phone call, and I'm like, oh, this isn't good. First, my first thought was, is everybody okay in my family, right? I'm worried about my parents back home. And then I get the phone call, and it's it's not the GM, it's the president, because it was the summertime. And he goes, uh, hey, I just want to let you know you've been traded for Guy Carboneau. And I said, who else is coming with me? <laughs> <laughs> and he go, no, it's one for one. I was like, bad trade for Montreal. <laughs> that's my dead honest. That was my gut reaction. So that's his gut reaction. That's great. Jim Montgomery finds out he's getting traded for Guy Carbon. He said, okay, who's coming with me? How do we make this a fair trade? <laughs> I know. And I said, no, it's one for one straight up. He's like, oh, that's a bad trade. I mean, can you imagine like, hey, you're being traded. Granted, it's back to your home. Right. But you're getting traded for the captain yeah. who's beloved in that town. And he went on to say later on that apparently something had happened with Guy Carboneau in the media that kind of caused this trade that the Canadians were not happy with. But still, it was his off season. He's working out. He just gets a random call on the gym phone saying, hey, uh, you just got traded to the Montreal Canadiens for Guy Carboneau. Yeah, I mean, there's, <laughs> stories in other sports are amazing, but stories in hockey... Just trump everything else. I it's, agree. It really is like the stories they tell and the honesty that Coach had right there. Well, I absolutely love it. Guy Carboneau was a terrific defensive forward and like kind of like one of those glue guys on a team. Yes. And it is so awesome to see, I believe, six Dallas Stars from that 99 Cup team are in now. Yeah. So it will be Zuboff, Carboneau, Hull, Madano, Belfour. We say Lettinen. Lettinen's not in the Hockey Hall of oh, Fame. Oh, that's He's right. He just jersey got the jersey retired. retired. And I'm missing somebody. Uh, All the more reason when you want to talk about something, you write it down. Yes. <laughs> yes. I got five out of six, though. Well, I was just uh, looking this up because you brought up Guy Carboneau. And I remember one of the most confusing things I'd heard was when I found out that uh, when he and Brendan Morrow were teammates, Brendan Morrow was dating his daughter, who yeah. he eventually married. And I always wonder, like, is that weird? Like to be a teammate of the the guy like that you're dating his daughter. Yes, you know, like I feel like that would be really strange. And I would I would want to hear from either one of them, kind of how what that dynamic was. If it was a great relationship, or if it was like a, hey, I know what this guy. Like says or does in the locker room, or if Brendan Moore was super quiet in the locker room with Guy Carboneau around, like I would just be interested to hear from both of those guys' perspectives uh, what that was like. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. It's uh, he he was a great player, and that '99 team. I mean, when you look back, it boy, did they have studs all over the place. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, and that's not even like we talk about the Hall of Famers. That's not even including Craig Ludwig. Who played with Carboneau both in Montreal and Dallas? Richard Matvichuk. Richard, Richard Matvichuk, Daryl Sador. Yeah. Uh, Darian Hatcher. Yeah. You know, players like that just, just, I mean, they were just loaded. And it was at a time when hockey was still kind of being introduced to, to the Metroplex. So it, to me, it was the launching pad uh, for today's Dallas Stars success and filling the barn. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, and we need to get a new one soon. We definitely need it. Yeah. You know, we, we need to hoist that cup. It's, it's, it's been, it's been long enough, but first things first, let's make it to the Western conference finals. 
Absolutely. Now, let's uh you want to do we have a mailbag here we want to yeah, hit real man. quick? Let's yeah. do the mailbag first. Yeah, and then yeah. we'll get a little NHL notes and uh your power rankings at the yeah, end. You kind of wanted to do a deep dive on this cuz I got a really interesting uh uh email from Kyle White. He says, "Hey, I'm always trying to understand more about the NHL. If you all ever have a segment that you could take the time to explain the NHL draft and the importance to it versus the NFL draft." Because of the minor league system that is in place, like in baseball, is the draft in hockey as important as the draft in football? Is it just a longer payoff? I would say the answer Mm. to that is it is more like baseball than any other sport. Yes. In that you not only have the ECHL, East Coast Hockey League, which now there are teams all across the country, and the AHL, which would be the equivalent of AAA baseball. And players in the AHL, are very close to NHL. I mean, basically the difference is consistency. Mm-hmm. But you look at most players in the AHL, they could go up and play games in the NHL and be just fine. So another way to do it, there are two other aspects of the draft. So similar to the NFL, it is, I believe, seven rounds is the NHL draft? Uh, Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I believe, wasn't uh, Jamie Benn was a six-round pick or something, right? For, yeah. Jamie yeah, he's either fifth pick. or sixth round. Real late. So the difference between is similar to baseball in that you're drafting kids that aren't eligible yet, a lot of them, to go to the AHL. The AHL has a minimum age. The NHL has a minimum age. So let's just say you're Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid technically either had to stay with the Edmonton Oilers or go back to junior hockey because he was too young. The Edmonton Oilers elected to keep him on the team for obvious reasons. Probably good. That was a good move. There is more of an urgency in the NHL to get those top draft picks into the NHL as far as get them on the team and keep them on the team. But what other teams are doing, the difference between the NHL and other drafts is you can stash your players in college and still own their rights. Yes. So the Dallas Stars did that a few years ago with a player named Riley Tuft, who's now in the AHL with the Texas Stars. He played three years of college hockey, and he was the property of the Dallas Stars. They don't receive money yet, but the NCAA allows their rights to go to a professional team. I actually think the NBA should adopt the yeah. uh, NHL system because it allows the kids to go to school without stress, without worry. You're the property of a team and it allows the club to look and get those players and not lose them like an MLB to college if they don't sign them for a big portion of money. Yeah, that's a good point. So I love the NHL draft and here's the difference between the NHL draft as far as where the stars are coming from. You look at what the Vancouver Canucks are doing, and I know they're struggling as of late, but you look at their players. You look at a Brock Besser. They are nailing their draft picks. Yeah. You look at the Winnipeg Jets, a smaller market team, and you look at a guy like Kyle Connor, who was drafted after Julius Honka. Players like that, that you just say, oh, wow. So the Val Nachushkin miss the Julius Honka mix, miss, those add up as far as building your team because it's not just about getting those quality players. It's about keeping your salary cap low so you don't have to offer the 
six to ten million dollar contracts, which makes you cap strapped. And one thing that's interesting too, though, to to kind of note there when when you're evaluating a miss or a hit in terms of NHL draft picks. There's a lot of players who initially, after the first three or four years, are evaluated as a miss that can turn into a hit. And I just look at Jamie Alexiak as that. I think that for in his first tenure with the Dallas Stars, a lot of people were very disappointed in him. Like they had much higher expectations of him. Um, and obviously, and, and you bring up Zdeno Chara, exact same thing. The New York Islanders, I'm sure, at first thought he was a miss. And now, if you're an Islanders fan, you're looking going, dang, I wish, I wish we wouldn't have labeled him a miss so early. So. I think that that's another thing, too, that's a little bit different between the NFL and NHL draft is the amount of time that you're given, especially for a first-round draft pick. NFL players, if you're drafted in the first round, in most scenarios, you're expected to uh, contribute immediately. Yeah. You know, and like you said, with hockey, it's more like MLB where you go and you work your way up through the minors. Right. Depending on the talent level, Mike Trout never went through the minor leagues, right? Like Mike Trout just started playing for the Angels, yeah, just like Connor McDavid. So, yeah, that's a great question. I'm glad I'm because I think that's one thing that a lot of people don't, you know. Even I'm like sometimes I have to look up the NHL draft, like to kind of rules and those sorts of things, because it can get pretty convoluted and, and pretty confusing, you know, when you get down to like the the finer finer details of it. We got any more questions here? Man, that was it because I wanted to go in depth in that Julius Honka trade. Yeah, not to, not to throw, not to throw gasoline on the fire, but twenty uh-huh. fifth was David Pasternak. <laughs> oh gosh, what uh, what what pick was Honka in that draft? Honka Julius Honka was uh, drafted fourteenth. Dylan Larkin was taken. Oh, uh, I love Dylan Larkin. Fifteenth. I'm a big fan of his too. Alex Tuck was taken. Eighteenth. Uh, He's turned out to be a wow. good player. Robbie Fadry, uh, Fabry for St. Louis uh, yeah. was drafted 21st. I feel like that's the player that I want Foxa to be. You know? Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I think that that I think that they both play a very very similar style of hockey. And I think that he's gotten closer to Fabry this year in terms of what you're seeing on the ice from him. Kyle Connor was in the 2015 draft. My bad. Oh, okay. But was drafted after the Dallas Stars took their pick. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, listen, it's like you could go down every draft and say, well, this, you know, oh, my goodness. I mean, we can complain about Val Nachushkin, but Jason Dickinson was also taken. Right. And Rope Hintz and Denis Gurionov were both yeah. viewed as potential misses. Right. And now you're looking at them. Rope Hintz was the key to last season's success offensively. And now Denis Gurionov and Rope Hintz... You know, Rope Hintz has continued to play well. He got injured, but Denis Gurionov now this year is the Rope Hintz from last year, really yeah. making, really emerging as a Dallas star. The other aspect I wanted, you know, you can stash your guys in other leagues, which is kind of interesting. Like, you know, you can have a player play in Sweden or Finland or, right. you know. Is that uh, technically what they're doing with Honka right now? Yeah. They've got yeah. him stashed in Finland. So Honka doesn't count against the salary cap, but he is the property of the Dallas Stars still right. because he was a restricted free agent. So you can stash players in and just own their rights. And if Honka plays well, and if someone, you know, if a team's facing some serious injuries, they might go to the Dallas Stars and say, hey, I'll give you a fourth or fifth round pick for Julius Honka. Yeah. Then they have to take on the cap and sign him and, and, and go from there. So, 
Uh, drafts are vital in the NHL probably more than ever. And you also see a lot of draft day trades. You see teams trying to move up. And the other aspect, which you can't do in baseball that you can do in the NHL, is you can trade at the trade deadline your picks. And that was a huge deal at the NHL trade deadline last year is teams did not want to give up their first-round pick because now they're seeing the value of first-round picks as far as the quickness that they come up to the NHL and they value. Like Miro Haskin is a perfect example of that's a low-salary cap elite player yeah. for the next few years. Yeah. No, yeah, it's... Uh... You're right. It's the the uh, the the importance of the NHL draft has grown. I just think about some of those past trades that the Stars are making at deadlines. Where it, it seemed like I was thinking like, ah, th- 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 draft picks in there, you know, like whatever. yeah, like 2020, oh, 2019. We'll never, I'll never even remember those draft picks. But now right. here we are talking about the draft picks and the importance of them. And you're seeing, especially with the Dallas Stars and a lot of these contending teams, how important them drafting well is. To their current success. Yeah, I think it depends. Like, is it going to be a pick that's going to take you over the top? Yeah. The Zuccarello trade was actually a good one. You Absolutely. Didn't have to give a, you didn't have to give up your first round pick unless you, you progress. The, right. And, you know, they almost got there and he gelled perfectly. And so. it, if they would have made the Western Conference Finals, you make that trade every single time. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, it'll be interesting to look. You know, we talk about comparisons. Would it have been better? We'll probably maybe dive into this in a few weeks when we see the continued development of Joe Pavelski. Yeah. I'm such a huge Joe Pavelski guy, but I'm like, okay, should we have kept Zuccarello or, or Pavelski? Because that's really the comparison. Yeah. Similar, sal- be tied similar to salaries. They're going to be tied together. Yeah, all season long over the next, what, three or four years. Yeah. So Yeah, but Pavelski's playing well. We'll take it. I mean, when they're winning, I'm not going to have any of those questions. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not complaining about anything right now on their current stretch. All right, uh, you want to go ahead and hit the uh, the uh, hockey hawk power Man, rankings? Let's do this. Let's do this. All right, I've got Yahoo Sports. Um, I'm not taking ESPN after they stole your power rankings last week. All right, let's see how I do compared so, to Yahoo. We'll see if Yahoo is now caught on to the podcast and have somehow hacked your email to get your power rankings or your Word documents or whatever. <laughs> um, so I'm going to start here. The Yahoo Sports has the Boston Bruins still as number one in the NHL. Oh, man. No, 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 no. So they got... No, I mean, the Bruins are facing some injuries, still facing some secondary scoring. I will give you the tease that they are in my top five. But I feature the Washington Capitals as my number one for the second straight week. Um, they had a real nice week, um, three and one since our Sweaters Forever uh, podcast last week, including a big win in Boston. Um, Braden Holpe is playing much better in net. Uh, we mentioned him last week, John Carlson. 35 points in 23 games for the Blue Line. Golly. I mean, he is just racking it up. And that team has some toughness about it. They got into a big scrap the other night against Anaheim. Uh, so they have toughness. They have scoring. Uh, they have depth. And if that goaltending comes around like Braden Holtby can, I mean, this is just a team that's consistently good. I think right now the Metropolitan Division is in line with the Central Division. It always is. But, like, there's an argument to be made. What's the better division in hockey this year? So Yahoo had at number two the Washington Capitals. So 
Let's see who the hockey hawk has at number two in his NHL power rankings. Sitting second in the Metropolitan Division because of the Washington Capitals and arguably with the Stars, the hottest team in the NHL, the New York Islanders. Last night against the Pittsburgh Penguins, they were down by two goals twice in Pittsburgh and they still came back to win. They're exciting to watch. Very exciting to watch. They're a fun team. They kind of remind me. To me, they remind me of like the Eastern Conference avalanche. Yeah. 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 And Barry Trotz's system works wherever he goes. Yeah. I mean, the tenure he had in Nashville and then winning the cup in Washington and then plucked automatically by Lou Morello. Uh, to coach the Islanders. I mean, they don't draw the biggest crowds in Brooklyn, but man, they should. They're 9-0-1 in their last 10. Golly. I mean, I would be impressed, but I mean, I'm covering the Dallas Stars, and that's nothing compared to what the the Stars have been doing. All right, Stars fans, it's not like a marquee matchup like the Montreal Canadiens or an original six coming to town, but you can get a cheap ticket for New York Islanders versus Dallas Stars. That'll be a great game. <laughs> great game. Go get those tickets now. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you want to see speed back and forth. Young talent. Young talent. Great goaltending. Yeah. The New York Islanders. I mean. Two bald coaches. Two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So the New York Islanders come in for me at number two. All right. So Yahoo at number three has the Tampa Bay Lightning. Who last night, it was cool, I got to, I actually flipped on NHL Network in time to see uh, Patrick Maroon back in St. Louis getting presented his Stanley Cup ring. Really, really cool, even though I hate that guy from last season's (laughs) playoff series. Um, St. Louis' own. And that's what's so cool about it, right? Like, from St. Louis, the story, even as, you know, a Stars fan and a guy who loves watching Dallas Stars hockey, I can admit it was pretty cool that he won in his hometown, whatever, but... It was cool to see him in a Lightning jersey and see just, you know, kind of how everybody embraced him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he had some huge goals in the playoffs and he was that always that guy. He scored the winner, right? In game seven? Yeah. Yeah. Against us? Yeah. And against the Bruins. And against Bruins. (laughs) God, what is that guy's deal? And, you know, he didn't sign much for in Tampa. I know. Yeah. I mean, like, like, what? If, if like, I could criticize the Stars offseason and I know they play a different style. I wanted a Brian Boyle or a Patrick Maroon. I wanted that fourth line guy. Yeah. That just, and you know, I mean, the trade deadline can always come. Right. I don't know why they have Tampa as number three, especially coming off of, you know, these dated lists. When you, when you listen to the Hawk, you're getting up to the uh, minute list. So I'll read you their, their reasoning here. It's okay. like two sentences. So they put a lot of work into it. You can't be losing to Winnipeg, but they're mostly taking care of business against the dregs of the league lately, which is probably what they needed. They're not even top two in their division. I know. How, how are they top three I, in, a, in their ranking I, when they're not even top two in their division? It's Boston and Florida. So, yeah, I don't... Uh, they're not even the best team in their state right now. So, yeah. number number three, I have the Boston Bruins. And okay. here's my thoughts on the Boston Bruins. They're without Patrice Bergeron, but David Pasternak had another two goals last night. He has 19 goals in 21 games, so they're doing it without secondary scoring. 19 goals in 21 games. Yeah, they're doing it without their first-line center, who is a surefire Hall of Famer. Tuka Rask is solid as usual. They have a a really solid backup. Um, 
you know, they're just playing good, solid hockey. Yeah, they took a point from Washington. Granted, it was at home, but still, I thought it was a good point for the Bruins. Anytime you can get a point from Washington, you had a pretty good game. Absolutely. So, I mean, they went into Jersey last night and just took care of business. So, uh, they're a team that consistently has been in my top five, and they're cranking right now, so I have them at number three. Yahoo Sports has number at number four the St. Louis Blues. Well, I agree with Yahoo Sports. And I keep checking to make sure this isn't like dated or something, and it's not. <laughs> I just looked again. I've checked during this during us talking about this. I've checked three times the same article. Little sidebar just Shippy, to make sure. Shrippy when he sets up this podcast is like scurrying around. He goes into my office because I'm scurrying around. Because I'm st- <laughs> I'm prepping up to the last minute to get you guys the most pertinent information as far yes. as how they are in their last ten. What's going on i mean i'm not going to put get my list ready the night before because i mean we saw st louis beat tampa bay last night right. boston beat new jersey last night nick camano so. was assigned to these texas yeah, stars exactly, earlier, exactly. Like two which, hours ago. which i missed because i was getting my top five exactly. power rankings exactly <laughs> we try to keep this as up-to-date as possible for yeah me. so you mentioned great great awesome display last night by the st louis blues fan base i mean as much as we want to hate them that is such a great hockey city uh i went last year to watch a stars blues game and it was just so much fun their fan base is knowledgeable so knowledgeable in fact that they just totally embrace patrick maroon yeah so it was a big win for the st louis blues they just continue to grind and continue to win and they don't have a guy named vladimir tarasenko yeah but their depth scoring is amazing okay you mentioned it earlier in the podcast mm-hmm Last year during the playoffs, I won't say their names, but people who follow the stars were calling Jordan Bennington a fluke. To me, when you're up for two awards at the NHL Awards Banquet, you're not a fluke. When you win the Stanley Cup, you're not a fluke. But during the star season, they were saying fluke, fluke, fluke. Right. Jordan Bennington this year, 10-3, and 2.31 goals against. 920 save percentage. Wow. I mean, he's a good NHL yeah. goalie. Yeah. Yeah, he's a late bloomer, but the fluke, no. When you win a Stanley Cup, you're not a fluke. Right. Antti Niemi is not a fluke. I mean, granted, was he one of the best goaltenders? No, but I mean, you know, he's a, he was a solid goaltender. Yeah. Like, to me, goalies that win cups are not flukes. Yeah. And Jordan Bennington's here to stay. Yeah, I don't. I I, uh, I kind of forgot that that was a like a narrative. Yeah, you know, that people said that about him because, I mean, if you just watch the uh, the stars and the blues play each other, I felt like any shot on net was not going in. Like I didn't care how open the net was. Like Bennington could have been behind the net, and I would have just assumed that sometime, somehow, even if you know you had Tyler Sagan in the slot. Somehow Bennington would hop over the net and block it from going in. Like that is how I was shocked whenever they scored. I was like, "Wait, they got one past Bennington? All right." Like, yeah, I, I, he, he is so his positioning is great. His rebound control is great. He's great with his glove. I think he had a little bit of an issue. It seemed like the the Stars last year, if I remember correctly, were trying to go blocker on him. That seemed yep. like the one weakness in his game, which I think for most goalies, the blocker is your weakness, anyways, because. I mean, you're just naturally, it's easier to catch the puck than it is to hit it with your chicken wing, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no, nah, Jordan Bennington is a legitimate, you know, NHL goaltender. And like you said, he's here to stay. The St. Louis Blues have one of the best goalies in the NHL in Nephilim. We talk about simplifying the game for you guys. And 
One of the best ways to simplify it, and Ben Bishop's a perfect example, if you get consistent, good goaltending, you're going to win a lot of games. Why was Calgary so good last year? Mike Smith. Yeah. Now all of a sudden Edmonton's good. Why? Well, Mike Smith's Mike having Smith. a good year. Yeah. You know, is he one of the best in the NHL? No, I don't think he's like top five, but he's just a solid goaltender that's going right. to steal you games. And that's what you need. So you look around the league and it's like, wow, why is St. Louis Blues? I mean, people quickly forget how many years the St. Louis Blues couldn't get out of the first and second round. And they were trading for goalies like Ryan Miller. You yeah. Know? They were they were scrambling. You know, they gave Halak a shot. Like, yeah, absolutely. They, Jake Allen was supposed to Jake be that Allen, answer. Yeah. But, you know, now he's the backup. Right. Bennington came out of nowhere and last Elliott, year. You know, they, yeah, exactly. They cycled through goaltenders for they a, a did. really long time. And until they got Jordan Bennington, they were not able to make those deep playoff runs. Someone needs to remind them that they were last in the NHL as of last January because since then they just need to be reminded because they're really good and consistent. Yeah. And I can't stand it. Yeah, right. Number five here, I got the from Yahoo Sports on their power rankings, the Carolina Hurricanes. Carolina. No one talks about them. Yeah. No one talks about Sebastian Ahu and how good he is. Um, you know, no one talks about that. Now they have consistent goaltending with Peter Morazic. We talked about earlier, which I've always been a big fan of Peter Morazic. I have too. You know, even when he was backing up Jimmy Howard out yeah. of games, I was like, I feel like Morazic's the better <laughs> goalie. Like, yeah, yeah. I know you're going to ride with Jimmy Howard because he had a good postseason run last year, but when I watch the two play, I, I fear Morazic more than I do Jimmy Howard. Yeah. But we talked earlier about, you know, hockey fan bases and communities kind of embracing the team. That's another... That's another community that's really embraced that Carolina Hurricanes yeah. uh, team. You know, th- like you said, they don't get a lot of coverage nationally because they're the Carolina Hurricanes. But they had that they had the the crazy thing they started last year, the celebration. Yeah, they were doing things. bits after the game. I thought doing, it was great. I did too, and I know a lot of like a lot of my buddies who follow and you know played hockey. Like they're well, I'm not a big fan of that. Blah blah. I'm like, come on, like this is a, this is a sport that needs attention. And they got a lot of attention for doing that. And um, was it the what was the team? Oh no, I'm thinking of the Minnesota Vikings and their their little dance that they used to do a couple years ago. Totally a different thing. But Carolina Hurricanes, like you said, they um, they got a lot of talent on their team. And um, I mean, in three wins in a row, they had 17 goals. Yeah, in three games. I know. And we had uh, Tom Dundon on. Yes, in studio last year because we were talking, we were talking football, but it was an opportunity to get some hockey questions in about yeah. the Hurricanes. Two things I asked him: Can I hold a dollar? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, one, he wanted to buy the he wanted to buy the Dallas Stars, but the timing wasn't right. Yeah, and that would have been a lot of fun. But I asked him about the bits and Don Cherry at the time calling him a bunch of jerks, and he told the story that he got a call from his marketing director. And they said, hey, we want to come out with a bunch of jerks t-shirts with our logo. What do you think? And he's like, roll with it. So that happened on a Saturday night. On Sunday, they started selling a bunch of jerks t-shirts and completely sold out. Yeah. So they do bits after the game. It's like the Florida Panthers. Well, it's gone kind of bad since then. But this Kevin Spacey bit that they had going where they had the Kevin Spacey things. Like, obviously, he had a really bad thing. And House of Cards, you know, fell down because of his off-the-ice issues. but. Um, no, that's a, the, the bits that they did with the Don Cherry bunch of jerks, all that stuff. They wear I, Hartford I Whalers that. jerseys. Yes. And that's the things like, 
I don't understand why more teams don't do that. Like the Dallas Stars are very good with their in-game presentation yes. about making it, and that's honestly I noticed this probably about four or five years ago, where the in-game entertainment for the Dallas Stars it really was it really set itself apart from any other local team in terms of in-game uh, entertainment. They yeah. throw up these crazy videos with crazy cat memes and you know like a Will Ferrell bit, and it's just this wild thing put together, but it's they're trying to attract a younger crowd to yeah. these games. Like, yeah, you got to be different when you're in the NHL. Exactly. You know, what I mean, and I've always said like, if I'm the Dallas Stars, I call arch enemy Minnesota, and I say to them, "You have our permission via the NHL to wear Minnesota North Stars jerseys." Now, Stars fans might be like, Gavin, you're crazy, you're a jerk, you're an idiot. Yeah. To me, who's making the profit off those all that North Star merchandise when they come out in Minnesota North Stars jerseys? The Dallas Stars. Yeah. So and to also, me, why, don't, why don't the Stars wear it? Yeah, exactly. We're not, we're not using them. Yeah. You'd tick those Minnesota are awesome off. jerseys. You'd tick Minnesota off, and it would create all kinds of chatter. And that's what Dundon has done in Raleigh. Yeah. He's created chatter. And I mean, we can talk. I'm I'm an NHL traditionist, a traditionalist. I believe in fighting. I, I believe in the code of hockey. But I also believe that when you're a team in Raleigh, North Carolina, you have to do untraditional aspects. Right. If you're the Tampa Bay Lightning, you have to have bands playing outside your arena. You have to have a huge introduction when I went to the game for the organist. I mean, look at the Vegas Golden Knights in their yes. presentation. They got a drum line that plays. Yes. Their year with the their first year where they made the Stanley Cup. I would tune in early just to catch the crazy light show that they had. Right. It looked like everybody had a personal blackjack table in their seat. <laughs> they didn't really have that, but they had the you know they had the they had these drumline guys with these awesome uniforms, and then they'd have a big name artist outside performing. Yeah, you know, and it's like that's Vegas. Like, I mean, that start, encapsulates the the city of Las Vegas and every, perfectly. Every game now, uh, Grooves is putting on uh, friends in low places. Yes, and Stars fans are finishing the song, and he was doing that with the Blink One Eighty Two. Yeah, exactly, as well. the Blink One Eighty Two song. So it's like you're you're engaging the crowd right and we have to do that in today's sports with the phones and the technology and everything because it's not always going to happen on the ice yeah so you want it to be an incredible experience for fans especially for younger fans yeah where you don't want to look down at your phone and, and miss something right right so team number five is the edmonton oilers for me okay i have carolina sitting outside the top five though good team but i think edmonton continues to roll tough loss against the stars uh but they're six two and two in their last ten so um, they had a big win last night. They dominated the Sharks in San Jose. I know San Jose is down, but it's still not an easy place to play. So, I mean, I think the Edmonton Oilers are here to stay. Now, you did top five, right? I did top five. So I'm just going to roll through the, the six through ten yep. real quick just because there's some that you had on your top five that they've got here. Number six is where they have the New York Islanders. Number seven, the Vegas Golden Knights. Number eight, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Nine, the Avalanche. And 10, the Nashville Predators. We did this last week, and I want to keep doing this until hopefully they end up in the top five. Where do you think they have the Dallas Stars here on the Yahoo? I'm going to guess they have the Dallas Stars at 12 or 13. They have the Dallas Stars at number 11. Okay. They say, case in point, let's just say you woke up from a year-long coma, and the last thing you remember is the Jim Lights rant. How can you expect them to believe both of these things simultaneously? 
Everyone in Dallas agrees Ben and Sagan stink again. They've won 10 of the last 12. (laughs) At any rate, I can't have these guys rising too fast because, well, the way the West has gone this year, they could lose six straight and be below L.A. in the standings two weeks from now. How in the heck are the Toronto Maple Leafs in his top 10? I... I mean, I don't know. there is talk about Mike Babcock losing his job in Toronto, and you have them as a top 10 team? Let's see. Who, who's responsible for this? This is probably that, uh, oh, okay. His name's Ryan Lambert. I'll All read right. you the uh, number, because what, they had him at number eight. Uh, this says, consider this a placeholder for that Babcock Babcock firing slash major trade we all assume is coming, but probably won't because this is the NHL. Yeah. So he doesn't really even validate no. putting him in the top 10. No, no. I mean, they're going through some struggles, and with the talent they have, there's it's no excuse for really. Oh, my goodness. Hey, he, yeah. They're just, they're, they're lackluster. And that said, I had it on my NHL notes that we'll get into it for a second. If Mike Babcock gets fired, look for him to get picked up awfully quick if it's not this season, next season, because he's Joel Quenville 2.0. And I wonder, I wonder what. Team, I'm trying to think of like just off the top of my head a team right now that maybe wanting to fire a coach and pick up somebody real quick because, like you said, he's not going to be on the streets for long. But I do see a lot of people on NHL Twitter talk about how sometimes his ego and him being Mike Babcock kind of gets in the way. Yeah, and like sometimes he'll do some things just because he's Mike Babcock and he can. Coaching Toronto is similar to managing the Cubs. Right. Uh, or the, or the Red Sox or Yankees. Right. I mean, the spotlight is just constantly on you. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's you interview players. And I mean, I was watching Hockey Night in Canada and they were interviewing Kadri now with the Avalanche, but he was with Toronto for his whole career. And he said it's a huge adjustment as far as like he can walk on the street. He can, you know, I mean, he does interviews fine and everything. He's like, got privacy. He's got privacy. He can just concentrate on hockey. I mean, you are in the media epicenter of the hockey world when you play or coach in Toronto. All right. Now that we got the power rankings, let's hit some of those uh, NHL notes that you were just talking okay, about. Okay. So if you follow me on Twitter, every year, last year, it was the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, every year I pick a team that was not in the playoffs that I feel will make the playoffs. So I pick one team. I was going to choose Edmonton, but I went toward the Florida Panthers. Okay. And I tweeted, and um, someone tweeted me back and said, you know, look at this guy. He doesn't know what he's talking about. But the Florida Panthers, when they got Joel Quenville, I said, this turnaround's about to happen. Watching the Florida Panthers play at the AAC and the mistakes they made, I mean, the talent on that team was evident. I love watching Barkov play. He is a if 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 Barkov played, we talk about Toronto Golly. or the Rangers or something like that. Uh, the Florida Panthers are a team to be reckoned with. That's another one. Stars fans, if you want to go to a game and see a quality opponent that you could probably get for a reasonable rate, I think the Florida Panthers are one. So, one of the huge additions they made across all of hockey was Sergei Bobrovsky. Yeah. Came from the Blue Jackets. Heavy. They paid heavy. I think it's $10 million a year. Yeah. A lot. So last night in Florida, the Panthers picked up a win against the Philadelphia Flyers. And when you think of Sergei Bobrovsky, you think of him from the Columbus Blue Jackets. But what a lot of people don't know, his first two years were spent with the Philadelphia Flyers. That's right. So since... 
who they've had their, you know, we talked about the Blues and their goalie yeah. carousel. The the Flyers are another team that has been on yeah, that goalie absolutely. carousel for a long time. They got a good young one now out of Yale and yeah. Carter Hart. Carter Hart. But yep. at the same time, yeah, they have struggled over the years with goaltending. And then you see, similar to Toronto, losing a Tuka Rask to Boston, yeah. you know, Bobrovsky, um, you know, leaving Philadelphia and then just becoming this amazing goalie in Columbus. Since leaving the Flyers, Shippy, he's 15-3-1 against him. Oh, my gosh. 2.13 goals against, 9.28 save percentage. Do you think Bobo's getting up for those games? Yeah, I <laughs> think so. I, yeah. And I totally understand that. You know, I'm, I'm sure that, I'm, I'm sure he has a chip on his shoulder when yeah. the team, you know, kind of gives up on you. Like yeah, that. so keep an eye on the Florida Panthers. Right now, they're sitting second behind the Bruins in their division. I think they're a team that's going to be around, and I kind of anticipate them entering the wild card. They're going to struggle at times, but I anticipate them being one or two in the wild card race. It's always weird seeing Pittsburgh in the wild card, huh? Yeah, yeah. Jim Rutherford always seems to make trade deadline deals. Though, yeah, that gets them back in the mix. It they're, almost seems like they they kind of like they kind of just coast through the regular season sometimes, and sometimes it comes back to bite them. But they know pretty well. All right, we know when to turn it on. We got Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin. Like you know, obviously their roster is is just stocked with talent. But yeah, uh, it does feel sometimes like they turn it up after that trade deadline when they go get those reinforcements. It's like all right, now it's time to make that push. Yeah, absolutely. The second thing I wanted to bring up, we talk about when the rules committee meet in the GM meetings about possibly changing the challenge on offsides and making it. Uh, encourage scoring in that, you know, they're going to change the way offsides is called if reviewed. The other aspect um, that they're going to talk about, as we mentioned earlier in this podcast, is should the play be whistled dead mm-hmm. if, you know, someone gets hit and they're down and if it's, you know, you visibly see bleeding or they're not moving or it's still referee's discretion, but it hasn't been called. One of the things that I'd love to see the NHL look at, and this hasn't been talked about, last night was a perfect example. So the Calgary Flames at at home are pouring it on to try to tie the avalanche. So with 29 seconds left, Colorado gets a high-sticking penalty. Two-minute minor. There's only 29 seconds left. So the 29 seconds runs out, Colorado wins the game. Mm-hmm. I would love to see the NHL adopt what they do if the game goes to overtime, where that penalty carries over. In other words, Calgary's still down by one, but when the clock hits zero, it's not over. Once that penalty is called, you have to add... What the would remaining. be the equivalent of a minute thirty one seconds? It's it's kind of like on the extra clock. time stoppage time in soccer. Exactly, because that team taking the penalty, even though they're now going to be shorthanded, and inevitably it's going to be a six on four. Right. At the same time, I just don't think twenty nine seconds is long enough. So I think it would be great for the fans. The fans would be going crazy. I understand as. Play moves along, teams will get tired and stuff like that. So you yeah. want to worry about player injuries, but it's another minute and you right. know essentially a minute and a half. Point? Yeah, but I think it's a real cool and, way to like, oh, there it goes, and the game continues, and it prevents though too 
you know, say you're down, say it's not 29 seconds, say it's more like 10 and, you know, somebody's got a great scoring opportunity and somebody just trips them. Heck yeah. Takes them out of the play. It, it causes you to be able to, because that's almost played as an advantage, right? Yeah, like, absolutely. It's like in football where, you know, you get beat, so you just tackle a wide receiver because he was going to score, but instead you take him down, get take the pass interference penalty, and you live to see another down. At the end of those games, you have that, you know, the the, the team could essentially blatantly trip somebody, blatantly yep. hook somebody, blatant, you know, you know, blatantly just penalize, you know, blatantly do something illegal to the opposing team to prevent them from scoring that game tying goal. Yeah. That's a good way to keep teams from doing that. Or if they're gonna do it, at least they know, all right, well now you just extended the game. Yeah, they didn't tie the game on that or win the game on that possession, but now we've gotta we've gotta kill this penalty off after, you know, and essentially go into extra time, into stoppage time. Yeah, it's just a creative... Yeah, I like uh, that. that. I think would be interesting. I think from a fan standpoint, they'd go nuts. And you're right, it would prevent those hookings. Or Because you're right, if there's 10 seconds left, absolutely I'm going to tug on that jersey. Because I'm one face-off win away from the game being right, over. Even if you're down a man. And I, also, and I also think, like, you know, when there's 29 seconds left, yeah, it is a 6-on-4 disadvantage. But if I'm the Colorado Avalanche, I'm like, okay, we're down by two men, essentially. But you know what I can do now? I can ice the puck. You can ice the puck, exactly. So I I know the NHL. I know the NHL has talked about or discussed the idea of making, like, keeping icing. You know, keep enforcing icing, even if you're on the penalty kill. I think maybe for those reasons, but also probably to once again improve and and uh, increase the amount of scoring you see in the NHL. But I think that's a really good idea. Of a way to prevent that last second, hey, let's take the penalty so we keep from getting the game tied up. Especially imagine in the playoffs, if you're in a game six or a game seven, and that happens. Now you've got another extra minute and a half where you're on the edge of your seat, and until that penalty expires, the game is not over. Yeah. I like it. I yeah. like that idea a lot. Cool, cool. And finally... Are you on the rules committee? Man... I don't email think so. that idea in. Uh, Governor Gavin Spittle would sound nice. There'd be a lot more yeah. money in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> Last night, Stars Vancouver, way too many kicked out of the face-off circle. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how many Joe Pavelski got last night. The NHL needs to address this. It's bad for the game. It's taking too much time. It irritates the fans. You got to let the guys play. Maybe do some kind of penalty. You know, I hate to have more penalties in the game, right? But you know, players are looking for that advantage, and linemen it seems as though they're trying to get it perfect on the drop, and it's just to me slowing down the game. Yeah, and it's honestly like I don't even understand sometimes why they do it. You know, I understand kind of what the rules are, what you're not supposed to do, and you know, in terms of the faceoff dot, but. Sometimes it looks like the refs are just like, ah, I wasn't happy with this one. Uh, yeah. Let's kick you out. And then you see the player like they're going over and exchanging with who now is going to take the draw. And they're looking at the ref like, what did I do? Yeah. Why did I? It's it's the it's the NHL version of the ump show that you yeah. see in baseball. And every single time you're talking about 15 seconds because then he's got to talk to his teammates about the setup. Right. And, and you you know, that adds up over the game. I will say as a guy who goes to every game, the NHL games are getting longer. They are. They are. I still, I still don't. I mean, I guess maybe that's just because I love hockey so much. I don't see it as an issue or anything like that as I do in other sports. Yeah. Uh, specifically, baseball and college football. But 
I, I they are getting longer in terms yeah. of in terms of the game time. That's a reason. The challenging of the offsides is a reason. Um, there's a bunch of reasons, but you know, I think the ones that you can eliminate, like kicking people out of the dot so many times, I think as many of those you can eliminate from the game. You, sh- you got to do it. So just like our prior podcasts. Hopefully someone's going to listen, and just like every week, something's going to happen that we <laughs> talked about on this podcast. Seriously, last week it was uh, we talked about Jamie Benn, and he was showing signs. Yeah, but, you know we'll see. And I thought that, that I thought that first Vancouver game in Vancouver was going to be the one that he got back on the tally board. He waited a game, went to Edmonton, scored one, and then scored two last night against Vancouver. Hopefully he keeps it up. Hopefully the Dallas Stars keep this rolling. Um, thank you guys for you know subscribing and listening to the Sweaters Forever podcast. Absolutely, we put a lot of work into it for you, the the Tolo, the NHL fan. So do share it with your friends who also love the game of hockey, or teach your friends hockey, and then get them on board with it, and then say, hey, check out this Sweaters Forever podcast where they're explaining a lot of these things to you, and it's free, free content that you have on demand for uh, you to listen to whenever you want. And don't like. feel like an outsider. No. If you don't understand anything, just ask. you know, if you just ask, if you don't know a player, if you say why do they do this, please we yeah. urge you. We want you to get into the sport because it actually is an easy sport to learn. It's just you need someone by you and say this is why this happens. One of my favorite stories is my two roommates that I live with at uh, Mizzou my junior year. Neither of them loved hockey or anything like that. I played NHL, the video game with them. I explained to them the rules while playing the video game with them. They're now two of the biggest hockey fans that I know, and I see them posting still to this day about the Blues and the Wild. Uh, one's from St. Louis, the other from Minnesota, like all the time. So it w- it didn't take long either for me to explain it to them. That's awesome. So, yes, do learn the great uh, sport of hockey. It is a ton of fun to watch, and please do share the uh, Sweaters Forever podcast with your friends. Uh, for Gavin Spittle, the Hockey Hawk at GJ Spittle on Twitter. For myself, Shippy at Shippy Fun Sports on Twitter. Thank you guys for listening, for subscribing, and rating us five stars. We will see you next week on the Sweaters Forever podcast. We love you.